0: Good morning saints good to see you guys here this morning i love it when david mcdonald comes he always uh stirs up the body of christ he stirs up the giftings within us and challenges us to um a fresh anointing a fresh um beginning and um You know, one of the words that David always talks about when he's here, he always talks about revival. And revival is an interesting word. It's, um, you know, sometimes when you think about revival, people put up a sign on a church and say, we're having a revival. And it's really up to God whether that's the reality or not. Whether we're revived. Um, We can get in a place with God where we become that dry wineskin. You know, that that we've experienced things in the past, and then things are, you know, at this place, and and God says, I want to do something new, but would it crack our wineskins? Would we lose this if he were to manifest in our presence? Are we still pliable? Are we still, you know, uh, able, supple? Are we able to handle the things that God wants to do personally in us, and revival, I think, is a very personal word. Um, you know, I, I read something this morning about that. And it says that, you know, we've, we all want to see salvations. We want to see people come to the Lord. You know, that's an awesome thing. And it says you can have meetings. And, you know, maybe a few people We even had a couple salvations in the uh, times where David was here. But I believe that real revival, when God really is moving amongst his people, Not just the church changes, society changes. Who would think that society needs to change right now? Amen. I mean, there's just so much stuff going on. You know, we had a reversal of Roe versus Wade, and that is causing all kinds of disruption, you know, due to nonsense, in my opinion. You know, there's there's people who are making an issue of this, and it's basically should have never been debated within the supreme court it's a state's issue and so here we are you know and so we're fighting uh, to retain ground that was lost you know and you know i want to go to a story this is in first kings um and it's a familiar story and we all know this one or we should about elijah the prophet First Kings seventeen is where I wanted to go. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray for your blessing upon the reading of your Word before, uh, because it contains the power to bring forth the fruit that you desire. And I pray, Lord, the anointing of your Holy Spirit upon this word, this message, that, Lord, that we could be um, pliable in your hands, that we could be massaged into the thing that you desire of us. And I just thank you, Lord, for your grace is sufficient for us. Your strength is perfected in our weakness. And we are all more than conquerors through Christ who died for us. We give you all the praise and glory. Amen. So I'm looking at chapter 17 of 1 Kings, and it says, Elijah the Tishbite, the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. That's a pretty amazing proclamation right there, that this man had that kind of boldness and knew who he was in you know, not in Christ, but in God, his God, of the God of Israel, that he proclaims that there wasn't going to be any rain on the land until he gave the word. And that's pretty powerful. It says, the word of the Lord came to him saying, get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. So he separated himself. And we know, or we should know the rest of the story, he went to brook Cheret. He says, I'm going to feed you there. Ravens brought him bread and meat. And he was just sequestered over there until the drought became so severe that the brook dried up. Then he sent him down to a widow of Zarephath and says, you go to her and you get your sustenance. And you know, a widow wouldn't be known as somebody who's going to be very wealthy. So he sends him down there, and he says that, you know, I don't have very much food. I got uh, just a little bit. I got a little bit. And he says, in fact, he goes, uh, go make me a cake out of what you have left, a little bit of a meal in a jar and some oil. And he says, go make that for me. And she goes, I was just going to do that. I was going to share it with my son, and we were uh, basically going to die. And out of obedience, she listens to the word of the prophet, and she did what he said And in verse 14 it says, And thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry, until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So he went away, and he did according to the word of Elijah. And she and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Elijah the prophet. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he, you know, this woman was moved in obedience to follow the word of the prophet and saw the results of that, that her family was preserved through a time of drought. Do you think God can still do something like that today? Amen. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. You know, one of the results of persistent disobedience uh, in this story here was idolatry. There was idolatry. There was things that were, you know, you, you read the story of the nation of Israel and we'd like to wag our finger at them and says, oh man, if I was alive during those days, I wouldn't be like that. And yet we in the United States were a country that was blessed above most nations. And here we find ourselves in a condition of, you know, drought and lack. And we're looking at supply chains and this and that. And it's like, how did we end up here? And it's not a political thing. That's a, that's a physical manifestation of a spiritual problem at the root of this. And it's a rebellion against God. It's a rebellion against God. And what we need in America, we need to be revived. We need to be revived. Amen. We need to focus back on the things that are eternal, the things that are righteous, the things that are good, the things that are honoring to God. You know? So God withholds the rain till it, it causes a drought here, and it's severe. Um, and in chapter 18, it says, go present yourself. This is verse uh, one in uh, chapter 18. It says, and he came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah on the third year saying, go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. So Elijah went and presented himself to Ahab and there was a severe famine in Samaria. So the results of this rain being withheld, um, was famine. You know, even in the United States, it says that when there is persistent sin in the land and I withhold the rain, that if the people would cry out to me, that they would turn back to the Lord, that I'll send rain and I'll heal the land. But if we're being obstinate and we're going to be just hardcore and says, no, I don't want to do that. Uh, We we like it the way it's going. And we look at the things going on in society today and it's a far cry of what made this nation great, you know, and, um. It's going on around the world. You know, I'm looking at a thing that I saw and, you know, I was talking to Pastor Rob about it at Lake Mead. I don't know if you are aware, but the water level is dropping severely they have you can go on on youtube and go look at this the guy says, i was here two weeks ago and that boat was still in the water they have sunken boats in lake mead where people still boat on that lake he goes now you look at that that boat it's it's totally exposed and this thing is is dropping fast and they're saying that if it continues this way and there's really they said th- this is a, a drought of proportions it's the 1200 year drought is what we're looking at right now 40 million people are dependent upon that water. What happens if that water, if the, we, we don't have rain, what happens if that just drops below the the feeding pipes that go to Vegas, that go to uh, California, that go to Arizona? What happens when the lake drops below? They call it a dead pool at that point. There, there's no really no water coming in. It's just drying up. That's where we're at right now. What kind of exodus would this be for 40 million people? all of a sudden you turn on your tap and there's no water coming out persistent sin the only solution to these kinds of problems is for us to be revived to be revived we are the solution david said we are the revival we are the change agents we're the ones who know god we're the ones who have the authority to speak to these things and call those things forth that are not as though they are do you believe that do you believe that our words have power? That we have our presence in God has power. We're not weak. We're not inconsequential. We're powerful. And God is positioning us, that word that was spoken in this church, God is positioning each one of us to be a vessel of honor. He's going to pour out his spirit, but are we positioned to capture what God is going to pour out? Good. Right? It says in a great house. Where is this? I think it's in Second Timothy um, in a great house, there's many types of vessels. 2 Timothy, let me read from verse 19. It says, nevertheless, this is 2 Timothy verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 19. It says, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows that who's those who are his and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. That's the first part of revival that we need to repent. Revival—it's the first function of the Holy Spirit when He sent His Holy Spirit. He says to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. I am blessed that Pastor David brought those elements into his preaching because it's really lacking in the church now to deal with sin, to deal with the issues that society—we're swimming in—and and in order for God to move in our midst, we have to be revived first. We have to step away from those things that have caused this mess. And we can, I can point my finger all day. Look at what they did. Look, what they, look at what you did. Look at what I do. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to repent. That's the first stage is to repent and humble ourselves before the Lord. It says, man, I made this mess. This happened on our watch. These things went down on our watch. And we need to, we need to turn away from this wickedness. The story goes on in Elijah. It says, so Ahab uh, sent for the children of Israel and they gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came with the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered not a word. Does that kind of sound familiar right now where we're kind of faltering between these two positions? Are we going to follow the Lord or are we kind of halfway following the Lord? Ah, it doesn't matter. We just do our own thing. In the book of Judges, it says everybody did what was right in their own eyes. This is like, this is the way I think it should be. And we're causing confusion. It's, it's a mess. We were just talking about, they said that they reverse Roe versus Wade, which is something the Supreme Court had no business dealing in. This was a state's issue. And we jumped from there, we went into same-sex marriage, and they're saying, "No, well, now we're going to review this. And they go, you, the cat's out of the bag, the genie's out of the bottle, you can't put that thing, what are you going to tell people? Well, we gave you permission to get married, but now we're saying it's not good. I mean, how does that work? I mean, this is how far things have gone that has brought this kind of stuff upon the land in a supposed Christian nation. These are personal issues. These are personal issues. It says in the book of Revelation, come out of them and be separate. Don't be part of this. Don't endorse it. Don't give it credence. Don't give it legitimacy. Come out from it. Speak out against it. And this is what's happening here. It says in verse 22, and Elijah said to the people, I alone am left of the prophets, which we know isn't true, Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood and put fire in it and prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put fire in it and call on the name of your gods. And I will call on the name of, my, of the Lord and the God who answers by fire. He is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. So we have a divide here. We got one man speaking for God. And then the 450 uh, prophets of Baal who says, yeah, that's a good plan. We can, we can do this in a very public way. So go up there and make your altar. And then we'll, you'll call on your God and we'll see what happens. And the God who answers by fire, that's God. And so they went ahead and we know the story where they went and uh, they're screaming, Baal, heal us, hear us, send fire, burn up this offering, burn up. And they, they're jumping around and nothing's happening. And then they start cutting themselves and the blood's flowing and they're screaming. And, and the prophet's laughing. He goes, maybe your God is sleeping. Maybe you got to cry louder, he's telling them. I think one translation said, maybe he's at the, doing the bathroom right now, is one of the translations. I don't know if anybody heard that one. Maybe he's on the toilet right now. He's just mocking them, right? And this is what Elijah said in verse 30. Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And so all the people came near to him and repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Didn't David mention, I was going over my notes. Isn't that one of the things he said? That we prepare or re-repair the altar of the Lord that's been destroyed. That's nothing. The church, that's nothing. There's no holiness. There's no sanctity. It's like whatever's. We, it says, no, go redo this in front of the people. Make an altar of sanctification, of holiness. God's going to do something here. We have to be prepared for the move of God. We have to be those wineskins that are prepared for something new that God wants to do. It begins in our heart. Amen? Amen. Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with these stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold two shaves of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces, and he laid it on the wood and said, fill this with water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And then he did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it. So the water ran all around the altar. And he filled the trench with water. Not only are we going to do this in front of everybody in a public setting. Go over there, fill up this. And water must have been hard to come by during a drought. Go over there, fill up those things. Bring them up here and fill this thing up with water. I'm going to make it hard for God. Is that too hard for God to start a fire amongst water? he's just making a point here and it came to pass verse 36 at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice elijah and the prophets came near and said lord god of abraham isaac and israel let it be known this day that you are god in israel i am your servant and that i have done all these things at your word obedience god says i desire obedience over sacrifice he moved with obedience. He did what the, what, what the Lord was speaking. And, and it goes on in verse, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. Now, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Isn't that an amazing story? a display a showdown between the worldly and the things of God back to 2nd Timothy nevertheless the solid foundation of God stands firm this is 2nd Timothy chapter 2 verse 19 Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his and everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood, clay, and some of honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, for useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also useful lust, youthful lusts, pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, um, with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing they generate strife. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if by God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captain by him to do his will. Do you know when we when were outside, outside of that. That's the danger that we can actually be puppeted by the devil. We're doing his will. We're dancing on his string. Come on, do that. Do this, do that. And that's the danger of getting outside of these things. This is the danger. You know, in the book of James, it talks about, let's go to book of James. It talks about heavenly wisdom versus demonic wisdom. In chapter three of James, These, I believe, are parameters. We all want to see revival. We want to see God move. I remember David saying this. He goes, how many guys would love to see the power of God hit this church? And everybody raised their hand, yes. And he says, no, you don't, because a lot of you be dead. And I was like, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? You ever read the book of Acts, Ananias and Sapphira? Come up there acting. Oh, yeah, we sold everything. Here it all is and made a big show of their giving. Here it all, I'm all in. But they talk to each other behind the scenes. and said, Well, I'm we'll holding back a little bit because who knows what's going to happen. And he says, Is this everything from the sale of that property? Oh, it's everything. We, we're all in. Boom, we did it. Boom, hit the ground. Adonai is down. His wife comes walking in a few minutes later. Is that all the money from your per- the, the property you sold? Yes, that's all the money. Boom, dead. She says, man, the, the people were just walking out to bury her husband. And she hits the ground. Boom, dead. Holiness. Thank you, Lord. The story about... Um, them carrying the ark back into the temple david he's so happy we got it back from the philistines yes we got the ark and they're putting it on a cart which is disobedient to what god says it should be by the levites carrying these things on a pole don't put it on a cart and they're going and they hit a bump in the road it's come on man it's practical it's a long way how are you going to carry this on poles we got it on a cart it's better on a cart right they go on the cart hits the bump in the road the thing fall almost ready to fall off uh, Uzziah goes up and tries to put it back. Oh, hold it. Boom. The holiness of God hits him and kills him right there. David's upset. What? Why are you killing the guy? He just was trying to do a good thing here. That's not what I told you to do, yeah. right? Holiness. He's not playing. We want to see God manifest himself in this manner. He's not playing. I'm, I was like, Whoa, this is serious. If we're in a different season, if we want to move into this season, this is what's going to have to take place. Revival has to start with us first. It has, we have to examine. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We have this treasure in a vessel of clay. Do we examine our hearts? Is it all about me? Or is it about what God wants to do? Amen. Amen. I'm talking about words. This runs on from the untamable tug in James 3, but I want to get down to verse 13 of that chapter 3 of James. It says, who is wise and understanding amongst you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy, self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it's earthly, it's sensual, it's demonic. For every, for where." Envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. You ever wonder why sometimes in a church it's this shouldn't be this hard? Because there's principalities in there, mm, go mm, stir this up and do this and do that. This shouldn't be this hard. Right? It shouldn't be this hard. But are we pliable? Are we humble? Are we listening to what the Lord wants done here? Where there's envy and self-seeking exists, confusion, and every evil thing is there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, it's peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now the fruits of righteousness are sown in peace by those who make peace. But I'm right! You ever been that way? I got slapped hard by that one. I am right to be angry. It was like Job over Nineveh. That worm killed my vine. Now I'm sitting in the heat over here. I am angry. Is it right for you to be angry? Is it right? Yeah. Did you make that vine grow? No. Do you understand what's at stake over there? There's thousands of people don't know their left hand from the right hand. These people repented at the prophet's word. And God says, I will not judge that. I will back off. Gave him a reprieve for a hundred years. The prophet was a hundred percent successful in his ministry. Hundred percent repentance. Even the animals were repenting in sackcloth. And he was angry because I wanted to see him get toasted. They're so wicked. But God's heart is for repentance. He's always for repentance. He's always for redemption. And he was 100% successful, but he was angry. We have to align with the will of God. Amen? Amen. You know, I've been talking about the joy of salvation. And one of the definitions I got revival is a time of personal humility, forgiveness, and restoration in the Holy Spirit. Where, wherein obvious and secret sins are repented of revival comes to scorch before it heals it comes to convict ministers and the people for their unfaithfulness witness for selfish living and for their neglect you remember when i said joy and suffering kind of go hand in hand this is kind of in the same vein in that revival we want revival well first we gotta have scorched earth we got to just burn down those things that don't belong. We got to do some self-examination. Amen. Because the Holy Spirit is gentle. He's like a dove, he hovers over us. And when he sees stuff, he's like, "Where did the Holy Spirit go?" "Oh no. He left." Because that's his nature. He's gentle. You know, David said something one night. We you know we had the, such powerful praise and worship. He goes, "Did you tell the, Can you tell the difference from the previous night to this night?" Not to say that it was you know or sometimes just like my preaching. There's sometimes where you can feel the Holy Spirit, and there's other times I go home and I just I shake my head like, "Oh my gosh," right? There's an anointing. We want the anointing. We don't want him to just make a visitation. We'd like to abide in this place. But if there's striving and there's all kinds of nonsense, I'm out, man. I'm going. Right? right. This is the challenge. You know, we had an altar call of people who were saying, oh, I have a hard time planting in a church. I go to this church, that church. They start and it says, I have a hard time planting in a church. The reason being, we get hurt in the church. People do stupid things or do stuff or maybe point out something that needs to change. Oh, I don't want to hear that. I'm, I'm, I'm going down there. Right? There's a lot of options. We gotta listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. We could be in danger of becoming a spiritual refugee if we do that. Those things that we are—it's uh, iron sharpens irons, produces sparks at times, right? It's not always pleasant, you know. Like Heidi said this morning, this is part for the course. We're family. You know, I'm going to quit the family because I had an argument. Right? It happens. That's a scary proposition. It says that when we get into a place where we're insisting that it be this way, it says that the potential is that the devil took captive of you and he's puppeting you to do his will. That's what it said, right? That's what it said. We got to be wary of these sorts of things. I got to be wary of that sort of thing. I don't want to be a puppet of the devil. I want to be led of the spirit. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are led by the Holy Spirit and do not walk according to the flesh. The flesh wants to be gratified. The flesh wants to be noticed. The flesh wants to be right. The flesh don't want to be humbled. My flesh don't like to be humbled. But I remember one time David came when it was up at Upcountry. He goes, we're all doing a church work day and we're all working. He goes, man, I smell the smell of burning flesh here. You know, that we serve in the menial things. In the things that, well, it doesn't get any recognition. But I love the Lord. And it needs to be done. Right? This is true religion. is to visit widows and orphans in their trouble and keep oneself unspotted from the world. Separate from the world. The world's a mess. We don't want to be a part of the world. Amen. I'm going to close back in James. James 4. Where do wars and fights come from amongst you? Do they not come from your desire for pleasure that you war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and you covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Adulterers, adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity, or you're an enemy with God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of this world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in you yearns jealously, for he gives more grace. Therefore he says, therefore, if that's the condition, this is the solution. Therefore, submit to God resist the devil and he will flee from you draw near to God and he will draw near to you cleanse your hands you sinners purify your hearts you double-minded lament mourn weep let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord that he may lift you up you notice in that dissertation right there the word joy once again attached to words that you you wouldn't be attached to but it comes it's a package deal I want to have the joy of the Lord. You want to humble yourself? They're they're attached to the hip. Do you want to suffer uh, persecution? Do you want to, uh, you know, go into a trial? Joy comes with that. Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. In closing, I got this. <coughs> we, or I refer to this constantly when we, Um, pray for somebody who's sick comes up for prayer it says is any amongst you suffering let him pray is anyone cheerful let him sing psalms is any amongst you sick let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the lord and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins he will be forgiven confess your trespasses one to another pray for one another that you may be healed the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much who wants to be effective in their prayers it's yeah it says that when god hears our prayers and he answers them this says that your joy would be full that god knows where i live he knows my address he knows the particulars of my situation and he shows up like the ups guy with a package here you go man (laughs) hallelujah Elijah, here's the point, going back to the story. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He had a nature, he wasn't superman. He was subject to the same things that we're subject to. Yet the power of God flew through flowed through him that at his command it did not rain. It did not rain. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three years and six months the halfway or the uh, measure of halfway through the tribulation period. Tribulation period is seven years, three and a half years. It did not rain. I don't know if there's any significance with that, but I think the two witnesses, they stop up the rains when they show up. This says, no more rain. Same thing. Elijah is going to show up. The Bible says in when Jesus, before Jesus comes back, I'm sending Elijah, the prophet. And he's, at some point, he's going to prophesy from Israel, no rain. You people are so, that's it. No more rain for three and a half years. And he prayed again. And the heavens gave rain. And the earth produced its fruit. That we have this authority if we align ourselves with God. This could be the game changer to change society. This is the only solution. That if we of the saints of God get serious about the anointing that's upon us, the words that we speak, the the uh, sanctification, set-apartness from the world, we are these people, we are in the clutch right now. We are needed right now. Amen? Amen. To call for David kept saying, speak to those bones. Prophet, do you see that valley of dry bones? Do you see all those bones? It's all crispy in the sun. Can those bones live? And he says, you know prophesy to those bones, speak to those bones. And it says, sin, you came on the bones and they stood up and muscle came on their flesh, came on those bones and uh, breath came into those bones. And a mighty army was raised up at the word of the prophet prophesy to your family, prophesy to the things that are not prophesy that God is not done with us yet, that God has mighty things for us to do and believe it. What was the word from the prophet? What was it? Attach it to obedience and see the results. Amen. Amen. We're going to be blessed. He's coming back on Sunday on the 10th. He had ministry in the islands and he's wanted to minister or he had a free Sunday. I said, we'll come back and preach at our church. And I want to just thank you all who did come out. Uh, those of you who were here and could, I know that there were circumstances where some people couldn't make it, but God bless you guys for coming out, and we did bless the prophet, prophet financially. He, he did well, and we thank you. Uh, and normally, this place would, I mean, we'd be blown out. People, you know, standing room only, and I realized with circumstances being what they are, it was still, we had some powerful meetings, and the words that were given, take it to heart. Take it to heart and say, man, that's my word, and walk in obedience. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.